God's good. Amen. All right. Tonight we're going to look in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 17. And we're going to look, we're going to look at this title right now. Who will tell them the good news of the gospel? Who will tell them? And uh, we are going to look at those eight verses. If you've got Romans chapter 10 open there, if you'd stand for the reading of the word. And this is uh, Paul speaking. It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Who will tell them? Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that the gospel is such good news. And your grace is made available even today. Thank you, God, that we heard this good news and we received it. And God, I pray that, Lord, tonight that we would have such a, a revival within our own hearts, God. That we would see that this news that we have already received is what everyone else is looking for. And that, God, that you would, God, put a burden upon our hearts that we would be making ourselves available to tell the good news to those that are lost and are dying, Lord, that they would receive the light of your glory in their heart and receive you, Lord, as their Savior. God, move and stir us tonight with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Hallelujah. Who will tell them? Who's going to tell them about this? We, we see here that... Paul is writing in these verses, and if you, if you look back at the first verse of this chapter, and, and there's a few others I, I started to read, but I've, I've got a few to go through, but you're going to see that the, Paul reveals the heart cry in his heart, and his greatest desire next to being in the presence of Jesus Christ forever and ever. That's his greatest desire. That's, he wants to finish his course. That's number one in his life, above all. But next to that, his desires, we're going to see in the first couple of verses of this chapter, is one thing and one thing only. That Israel, the men and women of Israel, would give their hearts and lives to Jesus. He had a passion. In fact, in one verse, Paul says, he actually says, it's not in our uh, verses we're going to put up tonight, but one verse, he says, basically, that he would himself become a castaway if they would give their heart to the God. He was so burdened for the loss that he was like, I would give myself up. To just so they would be saved. Now that's a burden. There's not probably anybody here to say I would be lost if they would get saved. Not that he really wanted to be, but he's saying I love them that much. And, and so we need to pray God. And maybe the first thing is to say, God, give me a burden. God, give me that kind of burden that I love other people that way. 
And so we see that in Romans 10, 1 through 3, this is what he says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God or zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They, they have no wisdom because for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What he's saying is that these, the, these men and women, they, they're, they're, they've got a hunger to, to, to draw toward God, but it's the wrong way. They're trying to put their confidence and faith in themselves. They're trying to accomplish uh, and please God with their own righteousness. And as we know, as Isaiah says, that our righteousness is filthy rags. Our righteousness is putrid in the nostrils of God. And he's saying that they're trying to please God in the wrong way. They're looking too much to them, their own selves. And so we know tonight we have no ability to do that. And so he's saying that he, that's what his desire is when he's re- talking about these verses. So what way do we reject our own righteousness and replace it with Christ? He tells us the simple plan. Of, this is so simple. And yet most people miss it. The majority of the world will miss this very simple thing. It's not on how all these things and efforts and works that you do. But here's how people are saved. And this is why this Sunday is so important. And every Sunday and, and, and you telling others about it. Because it tells us this plan of salvation. Romans 10 verse 9 and 10 says, For if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the simple gospel. This is the good news. That we don't have to try to earn God's grace. We don't have to try to do works to get God's attention or grace. All we have to do is reach out and receive it and put our faith and confidence in Jesus Christ as our Savior and a transformation happens on the inside. That's all it takes. And so we see that's the core mission of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ and God's desires all people would be saved. And so we need to realize that when we put our confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, there's a change that happens in our heart. Now, so we see that when we receive Christ as our Savior, first there is a, we have to admit that we're a sinner. So it's not that we do anything, but there's, the conditions are, is that we, that we see the condition of our heart as a sinner and that we call on God for His forgiveness because we can't do it in ourselves. Aren't you glad that you don't have to do it or earn it yourself? Aren't you glad that you don't have to watch every little thing and try to do as the Old Testament and make sure that you did everything perfect and maybe you'll be good enough? But no, we, we receive Christ as our Savior through one word, faith. Faith. We put our faith in Him as our Savior and then we are saved. There's two different things. And if you read these verses, make sure you're not thinking that there's two different uh, 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 principles here because it says if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe with thine heart that, that God hath raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved and verse 10 says for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and then and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation it's not talking about two things in that verse 10 it's talking about one thing two sides of the same coin it's talking about when you put your true faith and confidence in Jesus Christ 
we, that's how we receive His righteousness is through faith in Him. And then it says with the mouth, as we do that, we are saying, Lord, I put my confidence in you with our confession of our mouth. We're saying you are who I have my confidence, not me, not someone else. And it not only impacts we admit to God, but it should impact us telling others about it because of the change that was going on inside. I, I remember I remember when I was probably 21 and I had been a backslider for several years and I, and I was married, and I had a son. I mean, Jordan was born. And uh, I remember the night we got saved. And I remember how when I got saved, uh, there was no question in my mind that I wanted to tell people about it. Because when you realize how lost you are and where you're going, and you feel that overwhelming load of sin upon your life, and when God washes it all away, and you know you are now right, with God and your heart is changed and everything about you is different. It's not hard to tell somebody else about what he's done. And so don't try to keep it a secret. So it's telling it's so important for us to you know why the devil doesn't want you to confess? Because he doesn't want anybody else to get any hope. He wants people to believe that they're just stuck where they're at. But if somebody else tells them about what God did in their life, there's hope within their own lives. Amen. This this word that it's talking about here about believing is pisteo, and it means putting your faith in. It's listed five times in these verses that we read. So it's a key factor of what the, of getting saved and this relationship with God is one thing by believing, putting your faith in Jesus Christ, not in yourself. Verse eleven goes on and says, "For the Scripture saith, whosoever believeth on Him, Jesus Christ, shall not be ashamed." Shall not be ashamed. What's he talking about? He's saying there's, there's, there is two different paths here. Those people who have put their confidence in themselves, the goodness that they have done, the, the things that they have accomplished, is, is not going to prosper. In other words, do you know people in your life that you know that they're, that they're not a Christian, but really they're a pretty good person? That they do pretty good. They pay the taxes and they talk to people nice and they they don't cuss anybody and they they pay, and they may come to church and give a little offering every once in a while. They just may be just a good old person. There's a lot of good old persons sitting in pews today, but there's a difference in that person and someone who has surrendered their life to the Lord and saying, "Lord, in myself, I'm not sufficient. I put my confidence and I give my life to you." That's the difference in, in being a good person. And so what he's saying here is, is that the people who trust in themselves and their goodness, when they stand before God one day, they're going to find out that they don't measure up. When we, we may be good compared to someone next to us. We may be good enough compared to whole people that we're around. But when we're compared to Jesus Christ, we're going to come up way short. And so we're all going to stand before God and give account of whether we have been covered, are we clean, have we been covered with the righteousness of God. And the only way we do that, it's never standing in our strength, it's never standing in our goodness and righteousness, it's surrendering our righteousness for His, which is freely given to us. And what it's saying here, he's actually quoting, Paul, is Isaiah 28, 16. 
where it says this, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, and this was written probably 700 years before Christ was even come to the earth. It says, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone. Who is that stone? A tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. And this is what he says about it. He says, He that believeth shall not make haste. What's he saying there? He's saying when you put your confidence in that foundation, you'll never fail. You'll never be somebody that says, boy, I made a mistake. But those people who says, I trust in myself. I think I'm good enough. God will let me in. They're going to find that they're insufficient. They're going to be insufficient. And so he's saying, don't, don't, we, we got to get the good news out. We got the, my brothers and sisters in, in, of Israel and, and our families even and our friends and the ones we care about, they need to know the good news. It's so simple to give our heart and life to the Lord. And yet, they are easily saved by putting their faith, not in what they do, but by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. And they will never regret putting, not, do, you, do you regret putting your confidence in the Lord? Why, well, I would never want to go back. I never want to go back to where I used to be. Giving my heart to the Lord was the greatest thing that I ever done. Hallelujah. And so, who is these people that can do that? It goes on and tells in verse 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Jew. And the Greek, they would have been some Jews that had a different opinion at that time. There was no difference between the Jew and the Greek. But the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon Him. And that beautiful verse in 13, For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's saying that, it, that God doesn't make a difference between people. He doesn't look at you and say, you ain't good enough. I don't care who these people are that we want to come Sunday or people that need to get saved, those ones that's burdened their hearts, those people that looks like they're so indifferent. God still loves them. And God wants to pour out His mercy upon them. And He says it doesn't make any difference. The farther they are, the greater I love them. And my love is sufficient for them. And it says that He has, uh, the Lord overall is rich. It's talking about He's got an abundant mercy and grace just waiting for those people to call upon Him. And whosoever... Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be Thank God whosoever meant me too. Thank God because I was not worthy. He should have. And in my mind, the enemy was telling me, you ain't worthy and it ain't going to happen. God's turned his back on you. You have way too many chances. And he tried to close the door. Thank God that that's not what he did to me. This process of getting and giving our heart to the Lord is so simple that the majority of the world misses it. It's too easy. If you tell people that they've got to do some kind of big sacrifice and do some big thing, there'll be people lining up to try to do that. But when you say all you've got to do is put your faith and confidence in Jesus Christ and ask Him to come into your heart and accept Him as your Lord and Savior and thou shalt be saved. And it's too easy. And people, let me tell you something. Well, the most horrible moment in people's lives that will not give their heart to the Lord will be standing that's been in church services and have walked away from that easy opportunity will stand in the presence of God while judgment's going on and in their mind they'll be thinking one thing and one thing only. I had a chance. It was so easy and I didn't do it. Why didn't I take advantage of that? So tonight we need to be praying that people would see their need and they would reach out because we know what they need. God has given us when He saves us. He gives us His Spirit and presence and He changes us. And now we know what they truly need. How many people do you know their life is shipwrecked? Their life is just up and down. This seems like they struggle on everything they do. And you and I know the answer. We know what they do. Just give your heart to the Lord and He will make that right. He will turn your life around. We know that. But so many times we let things keep us 
from telling them about it. And so we need to realize that God has given us a task to do. He's made it so simple, yet people must call out on Him. That's the key. They've got to call out on them and they'll be saved and they've got to do it before it's too late. Amen. Verse 14 gets right down to the business. So here's, here's where the rubber meets the road tonight. So we know, every one of us knows that what we've been talking about, that's, that's the truth. Amen. Because God did it to us. God saved us and God's mercy was there when we called out on Him. So tonight, what do we do about that since we know? So what's Paul's concern? What's he saying we should do about it? Verse 14 says this. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? First part of that verse is, And how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? See, they, there is no hope. Unless they hear there's hope. When you got saved... You didn't just have a divine revelation. If you did, I'm not saying God can't do that. God can do that. God can meet you anywhere. But I would say the vast majority of people that's here today is going to be able to say there was a period where I got and the Word of God came forth or someone testified to me or something I seen in somebody's life. There was a, there was a Word of God. There was the good news came to me and all of a sudden I reached out and took hold because hope filled my heart. I realized I was a sinner. I needed help. But it usually involves someone inviting you or someone talking to you or you getting in a house of God where you hear the Word of God come forth. And so it's saying that if we know the truth, then what are we doing about it? You know, we would want, there's people that we're going to sit here tonight and we're going to, we're in our minds, we're sitting there thinking, boy, I, I'd love to see them come and, and be in the prayer in, in the altar Sunday. But are they ever going to come if somebody don't try to pull them in? If somebody doesn't let them know that God has mercy on them? If someone hadn't told you about Christ, what would you be tonight? And so we see here that it says, it says that how shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? They can't believe if they've never heard of Him. They'll never call out on Him if there isn't the opportunity. Someone let them know that He cares. I'm so glad that someone told me that He cared about me. He goes on in that verse, and how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? I mean, they, you, there's this process that starts. And so for them to call out on God, they have to hear about God. They have to have faith to believe, to reach out. And how are they going to believe unless somebody tells them the good news? Isn't that what God wants each and every one of us to do? Is God done something good in your life and my life? Then why can we not get a burden to tell others what He did for us so that they can see hope within themselves? And then it goes on to the end of that verse and says, how shall they hear without a preacher? I'll come back to that. This is the key passage that God has done all the work already, that God desires to save the lost, that God is, uh, has already provided salvation to save them. God awaits to pour out His mercy and grace if they'll just call on Him. So what must happen? The sinner must call out. Well, how are they going to call out unless someone tells them about Him? This is what happens to start the process of, uh, of salvation and desire to be saved in the life of a sinner. So what causes them to be calling out? This verse tells us here that a sinner will not call upon God unless they believe in Him. they got to believe. they got to know that they can put their trust in Him. You will not call out to anybody in the time of trouble that you don't have faith and confidence in. Let me give you an example. A kid in the middle of the night when they get sick or whatever, who do they call for? 
They call for mom. They call for mom, and, and, and mom usually hears. Dad sleeps right through it, keeps right on snoring, goes right, I'm not saying dad, but keeps right on snoring, goes right on down the road. But mom hears that little whimper, even that, that breathing that's changed a little bit. And what does she do? She comes running. So they've learned that they can trust mom in the middle of the night. They know mom's the one that nurses them, takes care of them, meets their needs. And so when trouble hits and they get scared, who do they holler? Mom! They hit mom, okay? So if we don't let people know, that, and so what I was going to say was that people, when they go through trouble, they're not going to call out on their neighbor. That child don't call out on the neighbor when they get in trouble. They start calling for mom. When we tell people that what God has done for us, and there's a hope that goes forth, the good news, let me tell you where I used to be. Sometimes I don't even like to really remember where I used to be. But sometimes I've told people that maybe remembered me from the past. And I said, let me tell you what God did with my life and what he did. And he turned me around. Let me tell you something. God done something in your life. All of a sudden, when someone else hears what God done for you and what God done for me, all of a sudden there is, a, there is something that springs up in their heart. All of a sudden a hope. You know what? Maybe God would do that for me. And all of a sudden a confidence and a lot's there that wasn't there before. And even when you walk away, they don't forget about it. Why? Because God has given you the good news to pour out on someone else. Amen? And when they do, when they call out, when that sinner calls out on God, that's the cry God is longing for. They will never believe in God if they haven't heard the gospel the good news of the gospel. And so God desires us to be that vessel that he can use. When that good news goes forth, that Holy Spirit is able to work in that heart and cause them to be troubled and stirred and realize their insufficiency. That, that conviction power of the Holy Spirit is such a powerful thing. A powerful thing. I remember how miserable I was. And maybe you remember how miserable you were. Maybe you got saved the first time you felt it. I hope you did. But I remember running from God and going through this struggle. I went to church six Sunday nights in a row before I gave my heart back to the Lord. Finally got scared to death. I was never going to. And, and finally, I just, I had to, God had to do it because I was miserable. I couldn't go back home another time. And so thank God he reached out to me. But you know what? Hearing produces believing. Hearing produces believing. It says at the end of that verse, it says, And how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, you're off the hook, aren't you? It says there they can't, if they're going to hear, it's got to be by a preacher. And you say, well, preacher, you better get to work. If we're going to have this holler field Sunday, you better get to work because it's got to be you. Well, I'm not going to take all the credit here. I'm not going to let you know that I'm, you're not off the hook. Uh, it does say here that someone has to tell them, and how shall they hear without a preacher? But let me tell you something, the word that's actually there used to, uh, to actually translated preacher means to announce, to make known, and to herald. It's not talking just about the pulpit, but this word is used, and we'll look at it in a minute, in other, other places, it's talking about the pew, the great commission that God has given you and I to proclaim, to announce, to herald what God has done for you. When, when, the, when the food distribution gets up here, I come by the other day uh, before service last Wednesday, and there was phone calls being made saying, we got some food boxes over here. You need to come by and get you some. Good news is going out. We got you some free food. Come and get it. The good news. 
How much greater news is it when we say, the Lord transformed my life. I'm no longer on my way to a hell, but now I have been forgiven and washed clean, and I'm heading for eternal life in, in the presence of Jesus Christ, and my life has been transformed, and all of a sudden people seize the desire and what God can do in their life. Amen? But we must tell them. We must let God use us. You may say, but I'm, that's not my nature. I can't do that. I can't. Let me tell you something. You, God will use, I don't care who you are. I don't care how uh, uh, unable you are. God will open doors for people who are willing. The most uh, backward person in the world, if they just say, God, I want to be a testimony for you. And if you pray and ask God to do something in your life, someone will walk up to you that God's trying to work on and say, tell me. They'll ask you a question. Or they'll t ask, don't you go to church? Uh, uh, what's God did? God's done something in your life. Oh, they'll open. God will open a door for you that you don't have to go prying in. And God will open a door for you to be able to give your testimony and proclaim the good news of the gospel. This word preach is carizo. It is it's the same word that's used in verse 15 that says, uh, Go ye into all the, the, the commission, the good news says, And he come, uh, said unto them in Mark 16 15, Go ye, this is to you and me, go ye into all the world and preach carizo, same word that we used a minute ago, the gospel to every creature. Proclaim, tell everybody. What God can do for them. But the greatest thing that we do if we, if we don't watch is we will convince ourselves and we'll listen to the lies of the enemy in our mind. We'll let the devil tell us, well, they don't want to really know. There's no sense telling anybody. They don't want to know. If they did, they'd ask me. He may also tell you, well, they're going to be angry. They're going to get mad at me if I say anything. They're going to get angry at me. He may say that they already know and I... Didn't, don't need to tell them. They know. They've heard it before. There's no sense me saying it again. You don't know what they're going through today. You don't know what they're needing. This might be exactly. There's been times that something was said and someone said, you don't have any idea what, how that right there just, that's what I needed to hear. Right now, you never have an idea. Name your mind that the enemy will say, they're going to reject me. They're going to be angry and push me back if I say anything. Now, listen, let me tell you something. I can't say that, that these situations, that there won't be cases where they won't want to hear, that they'll shut down the conversation. Sometimes that happens. They shut down the conversation and try to go off to something else. You'll see that. But let me tell you something. That little word that you got in, just opening that door, I can promise you one thing. When you are long gone from that day to the, and when they're home alone at night, that conversation is going to roll in their mind. Just that opportunity to, so, to say, that God has, a, has mercy and God has done such a work in this life. And they'll be thinking, you know what? They do have a smile on their face. And boy, I'm a pretty miserable person. I wonder if they could tell how miserable. Is that why they did this? And their mind, I know how it is. Your mind, the Lord uses those little bitty words that people say and represent Him. And God's the one that put that little word in. And He wants us to do those things so that He can use it. And you never know. You never know the little things that you say, just the little things that you do, how it can impact others. Is it worth not telling somebody what God's done for you and wait until something happens and they go into eternity and you realize, what if I, what if? Don't I hate the what if game. 
is when we don't do what God puts on our heart, and then we say, what if? What if I'd have done it? What if I'd have said, I felt like I should have said, and there's been things in the past, I wish I could go back and fix a bunch of them that maybe I just convinced myself, no, that can't be God. Well, let me tell you something. If you, it ain't going to be the enemy that puts it on your heart. So if God puts something on your house, we need to tell them. We don't want to play the what if game. Last week there was, and I, I don't know how it impacted over here, but one night really late, it was almost... Um, I guess it was like 11:15 at night, and I got a text message from one of my friends that lives in Nashville. And he, gave, he used to live here, went to college with me here. And he gave me a warning. He said, major storm heading your way, tornadoes in the mix. Be on the watch out. It just went around on the outside of Nashville, and it was a major storm. It was the one where it killed several people in other states. So I got on there and started checking, and it was. It was true. And it was going to be in our area within the next, probably the next 30 minutes. And so I started, my son was out of town on his way back, so I knew he wasn't there. So I felt better about that. But my daughter lives up on a top of a hill. I mean, it's the worst, unless, unless there is the major flooding, I didn't worry about her. Megan, I did not worry because she is on top of a big old hill. But in the middle of winter, you can't get up there. And this storm, I was imagining, I'd worked that tornado that came through East Bernstadt several years ago, and I'd seen what it did to all those high parts of those ridges or those hilltops. It just wiped things off the face of the earth. They're gone. And so she lives in an apartment up there, and I was thinking, my, I could just see in my mind, she, I got to get her attention. I got to get her to call her, tell her to get to our house right now because I've got a big basement. So I wanted her over there. Well, she would not answer the phone. So I'm sitting there struggling. Well, it's late at night. She's probably not answering because she's asleep. Well, it probably won't hit her. But then I'm sitting there thinking, but what if? What if I don't do anything and something happens to her? Because I keep calling. I'm texting. I'm worried. The, the, the clock is ticking. It's getting closer. The wind's starting to build up outside. Finally, I just throw my shoes on and go get in the car. And I go to her house. Now, I scared her to death. Because she has no, she, well, I shouldn't say, she had no way to know who I was. And some guy is beating on her door, pecking on her window and saying her name. And she took 10 minutes to open. I was about to kick the door in. I could not get her to answer. I was panicking because that's my daughter. And I want to get her to safety. And I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get her to safety because I don't want to rely on what if. And think I could have saved her or whatever. So I got her. And I got her stuff. Quickly, get your stuff. Get it in my car. And I took her home. And I got her to safety. Because I didn't want to worry about it. Because why? Because I loved her, right? And so when we care about somebody, we don't play the what if game. We don't do that. We do. God, open a door. You put it on my heart. If you put it on my heart, I'm going to do it. Lord, you give me the right words. You open a door. And he'll do it. You don't have to be forceful you don't have to be arrogant you don't have to be condescending you're going to you know you don't say that you just let people know the testimony of what God did for you we just offer them let me take when you like to come Sunday or whatever hey this is Easter man I'd love you to be my special guest whatever it is and it doesn't need just be Easter it needs to be something that we say let me tell you what God did for me let me tell you how God you're going through something in your marriage let me tell you something God helped my marriage. You're going through something with your finances. Let me tell you what God did in my finances. You got someone that's sick. Let me tell you how God healed and done things. Listen, everywhere you can, give that testimony of what God did so that they have hope. And we don't want to take a chance. Amen. So again, this is not talking about the pulpit. This is talking about us in the pew too. 
It's talking about you and I, this great commission. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's God's heart. God's heart is to save every single person. And we love people and we care about people. And so we need to say, God, you do what you want to do in my life. I was just thinking, I'm about to wrap up, just two verses, but I was thinking about how this impacts. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. I, don't, I guess I don't think I've told you this before. And maybe even mom and dad don't know this. When I, when I had backslidden from God, I had convinced myself, and the devil was telling me, no hope. No hope. That's where I believed. No hope. Couldn't feel it. Scared. Nervous. Felt miserable. Under conviction. But the devil was saying, no hope. Well, I mean, I should know. You would think that somebody had been raised like I, I would know. But I knew that God sometimes, the opportunity closes. And I was convinced that that's what had happened in my life too late. Because I'd been up and down for so many years. And so I was in that spot. My life was miserable. My best friend. The one I tell you about that I walk with a lot in the mornings, Dane Gilpin. Uh, he, he, was, he was dating a young lady, and he had a burden for me and Marie. And for several times, he started coming over to my house. And he would sit there and just hang out with me. And, and, and his girlfriend would become friends with Marie, and he would just invite me. Why don't you come back to church? And I put up every obstacle in the world. I put every obstacle up in the world to come back to the things, come back to church. I didn't think, I knew, I figured everybody wouldn't want to see me. I figured they would be judging me. And you know the lies that's in your head. He just kept doing it. And I kept getting closer and closer. I kept thinking, man, I should try it. Maybe I should go. And then finally, it wasn't him, but he kept doing it. And it, so it softened my heart. And even though I didn't respond to when he did that, it was making an impact. I kept thinking about it. I need to go. I need to go. And so it came to the period my brother got married in the church that I'd been raised in. So I had to be in the wedding. So I came, and now I'm through the door. And it's a wedding, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden during the wedding, people respond, and they were friendly, and they tried to pull me in, and so glad to see you. haven't seen you in a while. And then all of a sudden, I got to realize, well, they really aren't against me like I thought they were. You know what happened? This was Saturday, the wedding. You know where I was on Sunday? I was in church. It started when someone of my friends cared enough that he got burdened from me and started coming and saying, I, I, you know what, we've done a lot of bad things together, but we know what's right and you need to come back to church. You need to be in church. Listen, it, it makes an impact. It does make an impact. And verse 16 goes on and says, but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? It's saying that not everybody's going to accept it. There's going to be people that reject it. But do you know what that means? There's a huge opportunity. The majority, the vast, vast, vast majority of the world is living in sin. And they don't have hope that you and I have. And so it's showing us here that God's mercy, his invitation goes out over and over again. And there will be those that will receive him just like you and I. God wants to save them all. And finally we see that we, a reiteration of what the key thing of us responding and getting people to, to realize that God wants to save them. Verse 17 says, so then, here's the summary. So then, faith, Jesus Christ, cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When you testify what God's done in your life, when you invite people, just by you testifying, that word, that living word of God that lives within you is going out. That's how people get saved. 
It's when they hear the living word of God. God loves you just like he does me. God did a great work in me. And let me tell you what he did. The word of God's going out. It's hitting that heart. And it's sticking. And it's, it's making a difference. And then when they get in this house of God, if they don't give their life right then, if they could just get through the door. And the word of God, that hope, those arrows of hope is going out. That lifeline is going out to be able to save souls. And if they will just take hold of faith, then God, that's what he wants to do. He wants to save them. So the question tonight is this. Who will tell them? Who will tell them the good news of the gospel? Who will tell them? Will you? Will I? Who's going to tell them? Are we waiting for somebody else? Are we waiting for something to happen so that we regret? Or are we going to make ourselves available? We're in the last hours. And so we really need to get hold of what God wants to do. Because that is his heart cry. Is not only Paul's. The reason Paul's heart cry was what it was is because he captured what Jesus' heart cry was, is to save the lost. And God's heart is salvation. Amen? Tonight I ask you this. If your heart cry, if you want God to use you to tell others, I, I want to ask you, I, want, I don't want it just to be standing up because I, you, everybody else is standing up. If you're willing to stand up with me and say, I'll tell them, I'll tell them that I would ask you to stand tonight. Everyone that says, Lord, you open a door, I'll tell them. I'll tell them because I want us to pray. If you don't want to make that commitment, you don't have to stand. But if you're willing to make that commitment, I ask you to say, Lord, I stand here willing to do what you've asked me to do tonight. Amen. Tonight, will you just pray with me? Will you make yourself available right now and say, God, here I am. Make yourself available and let Him do a work. God, tonight, Lord, here we are. Lord, we make ourselves available. Lord, these that have stood, God, I pray that by Your mighty power that, God, it would be true. That, God, we would see the work that You want to do in our own lives. And, God, that the lost would know that You love them. God, that the lost would know what You did for us that, God, we would make ourselves available to you, that, God, we would see others as you see them, that you would give us new eyes and a new heart and a new mind. Almighty God, that a burden would sweep over us and that, God, we would never look at people the same again. Lord, we would see them as vessels, the Lord, that's going to one of two places. And God, that we would see their hearts that are broken. We would see their hearts that are, Lord, yearning to know more about You, oh God. There's people, Lord, just struggling right now, and they're barely hanging on to life right now. Lord, the enemy's trying to snuff out their life and destroy them. But God, if we'll just let them know the good news that You love them the way they are, they don't have to fix themselves. You'll do the work. All they got to do is put their faith and confidence in You and call out on You. Lord, I pray that we would see it, Lord, that there would be such a number come into the kingdom that we would be amazed, God, that the ones that are the most backward would be the ones that would be the most bold. And that, God, that we would see the glory of Your presence sweep over this community, God. Fill this church, God, with people calling out on You. God, we've got to get busy. Lord, You've given us that task. And, Lord, we don't want to stand before You empty-handed. We don't want to stand before You saying we kept the good news to ourselves. But, Almighty God, that we make ourselves 
ourselves available, God. Not next year or the year after, but Lord, right now. Because souls are going into eternity. And they're looking and listening for someone to give them hope. And God, you can do it. You did it for us. And we're not worthy. Now, God, let us do it to others, oh God. Do it, Lord. Come against the enemy. Lord, as we end tonight this service, God, come against the enemy that's going to try to discourage these folks from telling. And God, other folks from hearing. And God, from your gospel from going forth. God, let everything be perfect this week. Let the weather be good. And God, let people be excited to be in your house. And in God, most of all, that your Holy Spirit would come here before they even get here. And start working on them before they even come through the doors. And God, that people would not even be able to wait for the altar call. But they would come and receive you, Lord. Because your hope would spring forth in their life. That's what you want to do, God. That's what you want to do. That's your heart cry Lord and I pray that you give it to us Lord don't let them wait on me don't let them wait on someone else but God let us do what you've asked us to do to give the good news of the gospel and we will be the ones to tell them if you open the door God and I know you will do it tomorrow God even before the night's over open doors that they will be amazed at what you're going to do open doors that God that, that they would step through and once they do that Lord there would be a well overflow within them a God of glory and that they would see tears they would see people repenting that God they would see a hope spring up in hearts God excite them about your good news because God without it we would be lost tonight thank you God that it's still available tonight and for what you're going to do. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Who will tell them? Who will tell them? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You're dis